Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. In Psalm number 1, David, the beloved king of Israel, extols the value of God's law and exalts the law to the uttermost. This is wonderful, but recall the story of 2 Samuel when this same King David so grossly abuses his kingly authority to have an innocent man, even one of his generals, murdered so that he could steal away his beautiful wife Bathsheba. In the span of this one sin, David breaks two of the most serious commandments, those which he exalted, murder and fornication. How could this happen, we ask? Well, the answer comes from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, where the Bible reveals that although the law is good and holy and righteous, it is also powerless to help us because, though it may motivate us to keep it, it cannot supply us with the life supply to meet its demands. And so, its demands fall upon the flesh for their strength. Both David in the Old Testament and Paul in the New Testament discovered this harsh reality the hard way. The question is, have we? Matt Miller is here as we fellowship. Matt, these uh, psalms now, we're in really three through seven, a segment of five psalms that uh, have a very interesting history, which we'll learn about today, don't they? They do, Chris, and it's really amazing to see the book of Psalms in the light of the life study. Yeah. We get a, a view of Psalms that uh, most people are not familiar with. And I grew up a Catholic boy, and I remember my grandma, a young boy, she gave me the book of Psalms and told me to go through three Psalms a day. And this was a, a pattern for how to pray. And I think we'll see today that there's a view of Psalms that's very unfamiliar to most of our listeners, and I really hope they'll stay with us. We've got a real enlightening program for them. Matt, I don't want to... Um confuse our listeners. We'll hear some things spoken today about David. And of course, in many programs in the past and in Witness Lee's ministry, he frequently references the fact that David was one who was after God's heart, who was beloved by the Lord and the people of Israel. But he also becomes a very representative of all of us in our weakness. And I think that's what we're really highlighting here today, not uh, his virtue so much as his similarity to us. And uh, though Lord willing, none of us would commit such a grievous and gross sin that David did. The potential for all of that lies within us, especially if we stay focused on the law instead of Christ as the center of God's economy. Yeah, Chris, a famous psalm is Psalm 51, and we're going to get into that in the program. But just briefly, I never realized the title of Psalm 3. And the title of Psalm 3 is a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. And this event transpired three years after the gross sin of David's murdering of Uriah and taking his wife Bathsheba, breaking two of the Ten Commandments. And he also broke three more. He coveted, he lied, <laughs> yeah. uh, and he stole. Right. I mean, he stole a wife, he, he lied about it, and he, uh, and he was coveting her. So he broke the last five of the Ten Commandments. So it's a real gross sin, and Psalm 51 is his repentance for that, and that's a great uh, psalm, and we, we refer to that a lot, but we don't realize that 
Within three years, David is speaking Psalm 3 through 7, and it's amazing how his tone there is what it is, and we're going to see that in today's life study. Just to remind our listeners, especially if you weren't with us at the beginning of the life study when we touched the first psalm, it says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of Jehovah, and in his law he meditates by day and by night. Uh, Here he is in Psalm 1, extolling, exalting the law, Matt. And in Psalm 3, as you just referred now, three years after the murder of Uriah, the taking of his wife, David prays this way, Arise, O Jehovah, save me, O my God. Oh, that you would strike all my enemies on the cheek. It goes on and actually gets stronger, but for uh, time's sake, we just offer that much. Okay, here's Witness Lee with this first segment. I believe it was all together by the Holy Spirit when the Psalms were arranged this way. Psalm 1 first. On the law, then Psalm 2 on Christ. It is so strange and so interesting to see that right after David appreciated Psalm 1 concerning law, the psalm came out. That law. Have you read the title of Psalm 3? A psalm of David. When he fled from Absalom, he said, What can say that? Rebellious. From my youth, I love Psalm 51. You know the story? In Samuel chapter 11, David committed the intentional murder using his power and authority as a king to kill one of his generals, Uriah. And after that murder, he robbed Uriah of his wife. Just by one sin, he committed the sixth and the seventh commandment, murder, fornication. That offended God to the uttermost, and God couldn't take that. Right away, God sent the prophet Nathan to uh, reprove him. He repented there. Then he wrote Psalm 51. That is a wonderful psalm. The standard is high, full of life, full of spirit. Even it takes care of God's economy. You read the last two verses. After his confession of his own sin, he still remembered Zion and Jerusalem. Oh God, you build up them. Even though I was so sinful, yet you remember your holy mountain Zion. Very good, very high. After David committed the murder and the fornication, God punished him to make trouble among his children. Absalom rebelled. Then David fled. In his fleeing, he wrote these five psalms. You have to know the history about this. Matt, we've already talked about some of the significance, but I think it's probably valuable to spend a little time here again focusing on the history because it's important, and the sequence of these events is important. And one of the first things I think need to point out now, 
that's the Psalms are not necessarily written sequentially in terms of a timeline, are they? And that becomes important in this case. Well, it sure does. When you look at the title of Psalm 51, it says, A Psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came to him after he went into Bathsheba. So it obviously that Psalm 51 happened before Psalm 3 in time, right. sequentially. Right. But in the arrangement of the books, there's a difference in the timing. Because this is obviously after Second Samuel chapter 12, when the whole event happened with Bathsheba and Uriah and Nathan came in to prophet. Tell us about the rebellion of Absalom and how it connects here to this story. Well, Absalom rebelled against David because of what happened. And so he left. And so when he came back later, his coming back caused David to flee. And that's what happens here. Absalom takes over in rebellion and David is fleeing from him. The sin of David was in chapter 11. The rebuke of David by Nathan was in Second Samuel chapter 12. Well, in chapter 13, you have the incest of Ammon, the son of David, with his sister Tamar. Yeah. And then you have Absalom murdering Ammon because of so this brother incest. Killing, brother killing yeah. brother. So David's kids, one of his kids kills the other kid. Absalom kills Ammon. So Absalom flees, and then Joab brings Absalom back. And when Absalom comes back, David has to flee because there's a revolt. So there's a revolt, uh, a rebellion against David. He has to flee. And this is the point in time when David is fleeing. Really? So he writes these five psalms in this time sequence. His son Absalom has uh, really seized control or seized power. And now he is even at risk. David is even at risk at the hand of his son Absalom. And in that distress, he writes these psalms where he's praying about being delivered from his enemies and his adversaries chief among them, his own son, Absalom. The whole thing, a result of this sin, of his taking the life of Uriah. That's right. I've read these messages before. I've heard them when they were spoken. And for some reason, Matt, just now, the dots are starting to connect. And I'm realizing uh, it puts these Psalms in a different light, doesn't it? Me too, Chris. I'm the same way. I heard these. uh, Witness Lee published a book quite a while ago called Christ and the Church Revealed and Typified in the Book of Psalms. And I missed it before. (laughs) Well, the key point this is new, the, new light for me. Yeah, the, and the key point we want to uh, continue to un- underscore here is that this is the David who is extolling and exalting the law, and yet as a law keeper, he failed, and the result is disaster. Uh, and really, of course, we end up in Psalm fifty-one, a marvelous psalm, which we'll see uh, spoken of in this coming portion. But Matt, important to see, and I think at this point is that many people refer to these Psalms three through seven as a kind of a prayer pattern, you know, a pattern for us to learn how to pray. We're going to hear that uh, line of thinking somewhat uh, undercut here, aren't we? Yes, we are. All right, here's Witness Lee as we get uh, ready for this next section. The Chinese Christians, they say, if you like to learn how to pray, study Psalms. I would say, don't do that. Psalms 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. All our Psalms teaching people to pray. Don't learn this. This is a wrong example. If you like to learn to pray, you should go to Paul. Paul gives us two model prayers. In Ephesians chapter 1, the first prayer, she said what? I ask the Father God of our Lord Jesus Christ to let you have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Then the second one, 
in Ephesians 3, he said, I bow to the Father that he would grant you to be strengthened through the Spirit into your inner man that Christ may make his home in your heart. What prayer is this? If you pick up these two prayers offered by Paul and bring here to compare with these five prayers, think about it. The five Psalms were composed according to David's concept of a godly life. Asking God to deal with his adversaries. Is this good or bad? You know, I've been to recovery this many years. I had encounter, oppositions, resistance. Don't think I'm an angel. I'm just as you are, a descendant of Adam. Within me, quite often, I would kneel down, Lord, you know all these opposers. You had to deal with them for me. <laughs> I tell you, the Lord knows I die not to pray this way. I started the sentence, Lord, you have. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I just cannot finish the sentence. Because within me, I knew the Lord told us, love your enemy. Why David? He didn't pray, Lord, you know, I committed that sin, which caused my sin to be rebellious. Lord, don't condemn him. Lord, condemn me. I regret. I like to repent. Lord, take care of my heart. This is a spiritual prayer. Matt, an unmistakable contrast here. Uh, David prays in Psalm 3, When I call out, answer me, O God of my righteousness. Then in verse 10 he says, Hold them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Quite different than what uh, Witness Lee just quoted from the Apostles' approach in the New Testament, isn't it? It is, Chris, and, and uh, you have to have mercy on David a little bit. He didn't have the vision. <laughs> you know, Paul, it says, Paul had the mysteries made known to him in the New Testament, and so he was praying with a clear sky, a clear vision. I mean, David is is really a pattern of how not to pray. This is, <laughs> I mean, as believers in the New Testament, we in Ephesians chapter 1 and in Ephesians chapter 3, those are prayers we should pray every day. Uh, I remember Witness Lee saying one time, if you pray the prayer of Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3 every day for 30 days, it'll change your whole life. Yet, you could pray the prayers of Psalms of David in 3 through 7, and I don't think it's going to change your life at all. You're still going to stay natural. You're not going to want to forgive your enemies. You're still going to be vindictive. And it's really enlightening to see from the light of God's economy these Psalms. In Romans, in the New Testament, says we're speaking about Paul, he mentions a couple of things. I think we touched these verses uh, a day or two ago, but let's uh, look at them again. In chapter 8 of Romans, verse 3, he says, For that which the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son. In Galatians 3, Paul says, For if a law had been given which was able to give life, righteousness would have indeed been of law. Here's Witness Lee Matt with our final segment. 
David, who appreciated the law in Psalm 1, murdered Uriah and robbed him of his wife. If David is here tonight, would you not check with him? David, what happened to you? In Psalm 1, you uplift, exalt the law so highly. Then what you did? What you did, David? Did you keep the law? Were you the one who wrote Psalm 1? You answer me. I don't believe <laughs> so many readers of Psalm ever thought about this. You never thought someone was wrong. The greatest teacher in New Testament, Paul, told us that no one can be justified by keeping the law. No flesh can keep the law. Impossible. So there is a verse in Romans 8. The law is weak through the flesh. Something that God required, the law cannot do. The law is not bad. But the law could not give us life. Could not impart the very dynamic power, life power, organic power into us. So the law doesn't work. You have to see this you will be convinced. David, he asked God to uh, convince others that he was a godly man whom God set apart for God himself. Was that the, the time for him to pray such a prayer? <laughs> Could you see this? We, the human beings, always are not so easy to be convinced, to be subdued in our sinfulness. Even we murdered people and commit that kind of fornication by robbing, we would not be convinced. We still would think we are good. You know, in the law court, everybody, plaintiff, defendant, they are all right. Everyone could never be convinced that he's wrong. We all need God's mercy to see our failure our sinfulness, our dirty, filthiness to confess of our sins. That means we have received mercy and find grace in the presence of God. As long as we would not be convinced we are wrong, we are in darkness. Matt, you know, well, in Psalm 3, David's praying, uh, as we said a minute ago, hold them guilty, O God. But when he comes to Psalm 51, be gracious to me, O God. That's the kind of change in tone I think that Witness Lee is talking about. Unfortunately, in David's case, Psalm 3 was written after Psalm 51, but uh, the point remains the same. Paul got to that point, didn't he? I mean, in Romans 7, he is right where, at least in his inward sensation, where David is in Psalm 51. Yeah, he said that the, in me, that is in my flesh, there's no good thing that dwells. And he realized in chapter 8, the, the law of the spirit of life has set me free. Yeah, He realized the contrast there. He needs the spirit, but in himself, in his flesh, he doesn't have the ability. The law is weak because of the flesh. The law doesn't have the way to impart life into us, to empower us, but the Spirit does. We can be strengthened through the Spirit, and that's why Paul's prayer in chapter 3 of Ephesians, that we would be empowered 
through the Spirit, that Christ would make his home in our heart through faith. So it's a contrast, really, between the the New Covenant and the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, we have the ability to receive an infusion of the Spirit, to get a new heart and have a new spirit. In the Old Covenant, you know, we're left to our own ability and our own strength to keep the law, and we just can't do it. I think uh, we should point out, again, uh, we've been trying to do this uh, all along in these early messages so that the listeners do not misunderstand what we're saying. We do not mean to imply that the law was not inspired by God, that those verses and that even these psalms that were somewhat uh, putting on a scale of spiritual value, that they're somehow not a part of the divine revelation. It's all part of God's Word, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because it's easy to get a wrong understanding or a misunderstanding from this kind of a life study. When you hear Witness Lee somewhat depreciating David's prayer in Psalm 3, it gets the impression, well, doesn't he care about the Word of God? Psalm 3 is the Word of God. Well, the point is, and I think you've covered this in earlier programs, some of the Psalms are written on a higher level than the other Psalms. In fact, in the book, Christ in the Church Revealed and Typified in the Book of Psalms, he has a little chart showing Psalm 1 is on the lower level, according to the human sentiment and understanding, but then Psalm 2 is on a higher level. It's God's economy. It's on talking about Christ and the kingdom, different plane. And then 3 through 7, they drop down to a different plane. Then Psalm 8 is up at a higher plane again. And it goes up and down like that. And and, uh, at, at one point in time, Chris, someone took that chart from the Christ in the churches revealed and typified in the book of Psalms, and they modified the chart and added words saying that the higher level is divine inspiration and the lower level is human inspiration. That Witness Lee never says that. He never meant that. But that was the concept of someone who was trying to misrepresent Witness Lee's presentation in his study of Psalms. And uh, we just want to make sure our listeners are clear That's not what we're saying. It's still the Word of God, but it is on a different level. Yeah, we did say, and we will continue to say, that some of these psalms that you just described as being on a lower plane convey a human thought concerning the law and a life of godliness. But the inspiration is all from God, all inspired of the Holy Spirit. We're every word God's breath. This is our clear stand and clear teaching on every word of Scripture, and, and we recognize all of it. Uh, in that light. But surely God uses the law in a way to bring us to that point, Matt, right, where we realize how much we need mercy. He uses the law to bring us to Christ, but he doesn't use the law to empower us to meet its demands. That's right, Chris. And as you said before the program, the ending here that we just heard is really the cherry on top of the whipped cream of this program. To We really need to realize as a result of this that we need God's mercy. Wow. We need to pray, Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm sinful. If you don't have the realization that you're wrong, that you are not acceptable in yourself, then you're just in the darkness. We're only accepted in Christ. And we really need the mercy to see that everything's not part of Christ is not accepted by God. Well, we've been pretty hard on King David today, Matt. Uh, In our next program, we're going to come back up to the high peak Uh, In fact, one of the highest uh, peaks in the whole book of the Psalms comes early on. You already referred to it as Psalm 8. O Jehovah, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You who have set your glory over the heavens. 
So uh, David's view gets uplifted, and we'll follow him to the high peak in our next program. But uh, glad you could be with us. Matt, we've got the printed life studies that we talk about a lot. Say something about you and I were discussing the presence of uh, many of these life studies. uh, For those who haven't got the printed volume, they can still get access, can't they? Yeah, on the Internet, Chris, uh, at ministrybooks.org, that's a, a website that contains many of the ministry books. And the life study of Psalms in particular is available online the first 45. Right. So during the first 45 life studies, you can at least go read these online. If you can't remember ministrybooks.org, you can just go to our website, lsm.org, and follow the links. Of course, we think it's better for you to get the uh, printed copy yourself. That way you can follow along and take notes and have all of the messages. Those messages can be read online. They cannot be downloaded, but they are accessible there so people can get a good uh, sampling, a good foretaste. And then if you'd like to find out about getting the printed copy for yourself, call us toll-free 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Join us again next time. As I said, we're headed for Psalm 8. Don't miss that one. And for Matt Miller, I'm Chris Wild. Thanks for being with us today. Witness Lee's remarkable commentary on the life of Abraham, taken from the life study of Genesis, is now available from Living Stream Ministry in a single volume entitled Abraham Called by God. Abraham Called by God by Witness Lee is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788. That's 1-888-543-3788.